everyone, to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I just want to give a shout-out to a couple writers who have new books releasing, to uh, J.M. Winchester. Her book, All the Lovely Pieces, A Domestic Suspense, will be releasing um, next week, I believe. Um, I have a couple other guests on tonight that have new books, including my guest right now, um, Alexander Alexander Tinley um, is a debut novelist. His new book, The Expectations, has just released. It is the story of a young man in a boarding school in New England, a very exclusive boarding school. In the meanwhile, let me tell you a little bit about Alexander. He um, applies supple, kind of panoramic prose to um, this this fictitious but actually based on a real northeastern prep school um it is a a super book um he is a graduate of warren wilson college in the masters of fine art program for writers and has been a fellow at the mcdowell colony his writing has appeared in the southwest review the journal of the office for creative research and gulf magazine he now lives in new york with his very Creative theater partner. Welcome to Authors on the Air, Alex. I'm so glad you're here. Pam, I'm so happy to be with you. Thank you. Um, congratulations on the release of your debut novel, especially by such a big publishing house. Thank you. Yeah, um, uh, Little Brown has been spectacular. Um, working with the editors and the staff there has just been a, a complete uh, dream. So, yeah, I am. I'm thrilled. <laughs> You know, um, you went to school for your MFA, and you've been writing but not writing a book. What kind of writing have you been doing? Um, actually, uh, since graduating from that program, um, that was um, almost 11 years now. I have spent nine of those 11 years writing this book. So um, really? I was writing some short fiction. Um, I, I was working on short stories, um, but the the cycle of you know, spending so much time on them, sending them away, you know, having them considered, um, and yes. then, you know, taken every so often, but often rejected. Um, uh, I, I just, I had always wanted to write novels. They, I really love, you know, being absorbed in the world of a novel for days and, and possibly weeks at a time. And so because I really wanted to do that, at, at some point, a friend said, you got to do this. You, you know that you want to do it. And so, yeah, it, it took, it was, a, it was a very long haul, um, but um, that was the, the right path for me. Were you writing uh, part-time because you were working or is that why it took you so long to write it? Or was the nine years all about sending out, finding an agent and doing editing and, and all of those other things? Yeah, I, you know, it was two things. One, I did have a day job. I was um, supporting myself and um, helping support my partner in that time. Um, and part of it was just learning how to write a novel. You know, I um, basically wrote three and a half books, you know, half about um, characters who were from um, East New York uh, in Brooklyn, sort of, um, and that whole part of book didn't work. I wrote an entire book just about the students. That one didn't work. I wrote one all about the faculty at this school. It's such an interesting life, you know, to, to kind of, as an adult, go into this um, sort of snow globe um, world. That one yes. failed. Uh, and then I finally wrote the one that I um, came out with. So the nine years was a combination both of punching the time clock um, 
on on this book as I as I was um, uh, trying to pay the rent, and then yeah, just a lot of failure. I had to I had to put in a ton of failure before I um, uh, found a path forward. Uh, it's interesting you say failure. It's not a bad thing. It's a great teacher, isn't it? Oh my gosh, it's it's in a certain way the only teacher. You know, um, there it, it just took um, it took so long for me to. You know, um, I've been talking to to friends and and other people in publishing about how long the book took, and that obviously involved a lot of you know suffering and frustration, wondering if it was sure. ever going to happen. But in another way, you know, because I didn't have um, until the very end, until I was working with an editor and an agent, because for much of that time I didn't have a deadline that was looming over me, I got to really get absorbed in the, in the world of this book and really invest in the, um, the language, the setting, the people, um, in a way that I think if, you know, I had, um, I don't know, come out of a, a really fancy writing program and had a lot of buzz or something like that and had to produce something on a shorter time frame, I, I wouldn't have been able to invest in that way. So that nine years was a lot of suffering, but in a strange way, it was also kind of a luxury as well. It, it sounds like it. It sounds like um, it, it is just part of being a creative person. You you kind of you had your degree, your MFA, but you had to put it to practical use. And so um, you really self-taught yourself how, how to write a book. Uh, no matter what yeah, you, you know, learned in school, you because uh, I, I don't have an MFA. I don't know what that would entail. Um, sure. Did it help you? or, or Because you certainly didn't step out of college or, with your master's and say, okay, I'm going to sit down and write a book, and it's all going to go well. So you, you yeah, created you know, a self-learning program for yourself. <laughs> no question. I mean, I adored uh, my writing program. Uh, the Warren Wilson College program is one of the, the very best in the country. Um, it's also a low residency model. And so instead of, you know, um, living uh, close to or on campus, you know, for an entire semester, having workshop after workshop, you are matched up with a faculty supervisor and have almost more of an apprenticeship model with that person. And that kind of real um, deep focus that I was able to have with some of those um, uh, teachers completely transformed my, my writing practice. You know, the thing about an MFA is it's on a semester. You've got a couple months to work with this person. And so to try to work on something longer, um, to try to really stretch out in terms of time and, and pages, is just not possible logistically. Right. And so, you know, during that time, I spent a lot of time on stories. I learned so, so much about stories, have my, about my own voice, but it took a long time to then, you know, really expand that work on structure and, and frankly, sure. just, just figure out what the most important story at this place was. And there's no, you know, there's no way to be taught that. Um, I think my right. teachers brought my writing along a, a, to a huge extent. Um, but again, I just had to um, find, find the way forward um, for myself. And, and I think sure, well, the writer has to, has to do that. I think you're right. And uh, you have kind of, like you said, you had the luxury of time. Um, I want to ask you, do you have the luxury of time for the next book? Um, 
That is a good question. I mean, um, I have been um, talking with my agent about the next idea. In, a, in you know, the book this this book that I've been working on for so long is set in 1994, um, and I was very mm-hmm. interested in that period of time. But as I was working on this project, you know, so much of the world was changing in terms of technology, politics, marketing, yes. social media, yes. and so you know every the envelope for every electric bill in my house, you know, uh, every margin of every, you know, scrap of paper in my house is filled with notes about things I've been wanting to write as I've been working on this project. So I am, you know, absolutely uh, so eager to, to um, uh, give that my, my all. So I, the, I, I think I, there's a little bit more time pressure to, to follow up a, a debut. And also I, I have a lot of urgency about, telling this story that I'm dying to tell. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. How fun. So I want to go back to talking about your MFA program. What is the one thing that you took away from Warren Wilson that stays with you? You know, in a, in a, a beach full of shells, you're going to find one beautiful one. And, and it's always been my contention that if I go to a conference or a class order, if I walk away with one diamond, that it's all been well worth it. What was that one diamond for you? Yeah, that is such a great question. I, without a doubt, it, it isn't necessarily any one particular lesson. It is just mm-hmm. the, um, the extreme care that the um, teachers at that program applied to reading my writing and the writing of the people around me. So I think that, um, you know, that technique, this way of structuring time, you know, that way of raising stakes or, you know, a lot of the things that often are are um, discussed in an MFA program sort of pales in comparison to just, um, frankly, just giving a shit deeply about right. um, something right. you really care about and the, right. the way that one person can communicate with another person and break down the barriers um, between, uh, between individual minds. And so, you know, I, I had always obviously known that and, you know, tried to give my work as much time as, and attention as I could, but also I was also wanting to hurry it up, wanting to, you know, have something to turn in and show off quickly and to see these people I respected so much, just it takes as long as it takes and kind of lavishing love and attention on um, the writing that they, you know, um, held so dear. Uh, that was completely transformative that, that it was I'm sure. something, it, you know, maybe a, a religious devotion is, sounds a little, um, overblown, so I might not go there, but uh, a devotion uh, was was just sort of the transformative thing that I learned there. It occurs to me that many creative people have been stymied by um, comments that, you know, oh, you'll never make a living like that, why do you want to do that, or get a backup for a real job, as though being a creative person, writing, acting, dancing, singing, isn't a real job it is when it's in your gut and in your in your at a cellular level that is your what you are supposed to be doing so I think that you it sounds to me like you had very nurturing people around you who didn't discourage you their whole plan was to encourage you to find your voice 
Now, you also mentioned that you have scribbles on everything for, for ideas that you want to write about. Do you start off with a character or do you start off with a story? That is such an interesting question. Um, I uh, would actually almost back up before that and sort of um, start with, and this is going to sound a little woo-woo maybe, but um, start even with the like physical kind of feeling of being in the chair that I'm sitting in and, and the weight of my feet on the floor. And, um, you know, I think that I can want to push something a certain way or like, man, I wish this scene would resolve or I want to solve this problem. And to, to sort of step back a little bit from that and kind of, um, uh, be in a posture more of seeing what's going to happen just being curious about what might come up, um, is sort of the first, the very, you know, almost, um, the preamble or the table of contents. And then I think um, another teacher of mine talked about um, something she called the shining object. And, mm-hmm. and the way she would tell it, um, this is the writer Kate Walbert, um, who wrote Our Kind and um, uh, his favorites and, and a few others that I just adore. Mm-hmm. I, I re- really revere her. And she would talk about um, sitting down to write a story and seeing the kitchen table where something was happening. And mm-hmm. she would really feel into um, that kitchen and what was, what was in the next room? What was there some tension of someone, you know, just off stage, maybe about to come in and everyone mm-hmm. in the kitchen was worried about that and, and sort of trying to feel the way, the way into where's the most uncomfortable part of, of this kind of, in a certain way, this um, fictive dream, you know, this, this um, other other place that you're, you're sort of um, imagining and sort of following what is most uncomfortable, what's most energetic, what has the most right. juice. Um, and so I think that even before character, even before, you know, um, this person is in trouble and needs to try to get out of it in this way, kind of um, almost on, on, a, on a physical level feeling where that um, – uh, that irresistible pull is coming from uh, right. sort of I understand. lets all that other stuff, all that other stuff arise. Um, I have often talked to authors who have said to me that they imagine their whole story first, and then they sit down to write it from beginning to end. And I've also heard writers say that they don't necessarily write from beginning to end, that they may have mid chapters that they, they just have a revelation about, uh, or they might write the ending first. Uh, so I think there are a lot of ways of getting where you're going. And it sounds like the emotion, which is such a huge mover in books, it, it propels a story forward, is very important to you. Am I getting that kind of right? Definitely. And, and I, I envy those people who, you know, have it all laid out and then just kind of transcribe what they've already figured out. Um, that sounds like uh, I, I, I yeah, would, would kill for that. Um, yeah, I think for me, um, uh, getting the mood, getting um, – and I think that's what fiction does so, so beautifully. You sort of are absorbed into this, um, yes. uh, into this world. And so taking the time to um, – feel that and let the things that are happening kind of surprise you. I know that there are a lot of great writers who have it all figured out and lay it out. And it's very surprising for the reader. I know for me, 
if I already know how it's going to go, that it, that is going to hold no kind of um, freshness uh, for right. for the reader. It, it's got to surprise me if it's going to if it's going to surprise the reader. A friend of mine thought about her book for a year and and actually visualized it, and you know thought the storyline through. Took her a year, and then she finally put pen, pen to paper, and it was a really good story, by the way. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I God think bless her. you know, being creative, you get there from whatever angle you have to get through. It's it, because it's so personal to you. Um, let's Definitely. talk about the expectations. This is not—I uh, don't think genre fiction. This is more literary fiction, at least in my view, it is. Will you tell listeners about this book and um, and a little bit about the characters, please? Definitely. Um, so um, the book is um, follows two main characters. Um, the first is Ben Weeks. Um, he his his uh, extended family actually helped to start this uh, school in the 1800s. Um, it became one of the few schools that that was a training ground for uh, American power. The sons of the J.P. Morgans and the and the Rockefellers of um, the Gilded Age. Um, and then his roommate, who is so, um, his family helped start the school, uh, but his parents have gone bankrupt, and so they can't pay his tuition. Um, and he he's been kind of waiting his whole life to really arrive at the school and become the person that he has um, held out in his imagination that he would become when he, when he arrives. Um, and his roommate is Ahmed Al Khaled. Um, the son of a very wealthy sheikh from uh, Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. So someone who has all the money in the world, but um, his father, you know, has made it in the last 10 years. And so arrives at the school, similarly thinking that he is going to kind of become his idealized version of, uh, you know, an American leader, kind of the Teddy Roosevelt um, vision of, um, a certain kind of person that that he has uh, learned about, um, and so each of them it, it sort of uh, follows their kind of symbiosis as both of them are trying to be this thing um, that they have imagined, and that consistently breaks down. Um, and so not only did that personal story between those two characters really have a ton of pull and energy for me, but I was also interested in the boarding school. Um, you know, there have been so many uh, magnificent boarding school books, um, but I, I was interested in um, this place both as sort of a submarine, um, you know, it, it, a, a very isolated, sure. very rarefied world um, that, that almost no readers will, will be used to. Um, and at the same time, a, a place that until very recently you know, saw itself as the, the center of America, you know, the center of yes. training um, American leaders. But the flaw there is that those leaders were, you know, uh, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant men. And right. as those schools start to try to expand their vision of what leadership means and bringing in more people, um, the, the, that original design really clashes with, with the um, contemporary world. And in a certain way, um, we're watching Ahmed um, decide what about his culture he's being asked to um, do away with in order to kind of be, enter the culture of whiteness. And mm -hmm. we're watching Ben as, you know, 
uh, someone who couldn't belong anymore being snared with the, the ideology of some of these schools, which is as soon as I achieve this good grade on this exam, I'll be okay. As soon as I make the team, I'll be okay. And that sort of motivation of whatever is just over the horizon. Um, and so both of them kind of trying to negotiate those uh, dynamics. It's a fascinating look at um, an, a, a part of society that I'm totally unfamiliar with. I mean, the closest I get. I think most people to, are, yeah. Yeah. I, I went to a Catholic school when I was in elementary school for five years, and that's about as close as I got to any type of, you know, exclusivity. And it, and it wasn't really because we had a big school. But um, it also speaks, I think, a lot to Northeastern uh, culture and mores and so on, because most of the Ivies are up there. And um, I think that that's, there's a lot of eliteness about it, and it's a different mindset for a lot of people that still exists today, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think with the recent college admission scandal, it's, it's been yes. very interesting to see the sort of um, – and, and, and how interesting that the, that scandal has been perpetrated by people who, as far as, it, as, far as anyone outside of it can tell, have – everything anyone could ask for. They have yeah. money, they have prestige, they have position, they have social um, standing. Uh, connections, sure. social Absolutely. standing, exactly. And still there's this craving to be in um, and, and almost that, that um, uh, in a certain way, um, that kind of craving for belonging, that craving for whatever it is that a school like this is supposed to uh, confer, it completely outstrips you know, what um, education and, and, and what, um, uh, you know, a, a dedication to uh, math and literature and, and these, sure. these parts of learning should be about. And so I think that um, uh, I, I was just interested in exactly that. You know, we go to these schools presumably to um, – connect with literature to connect with um, the highest ideals of our culture, but because there's that gate and because there are so many gatekeepers invested in discerning who's in and who's out, that um, kind of higher purpose uh, really gets compromised. And so it does um, indeed. it's been something that's, that's interested me for, for a long time. And, and, you know, it, it's just who, what fiction writer could possibly invent um, parents photoshopping their kid's face into a, a crew right. shell that, you know, they had never been in. It, right. It's uh, completely bananas. So, um, or, or, yeah, that, that just latest, had a, a lot of energy. The latest scandal of them giving up guardianship of their children so they don't have to, oh have my to God. pay the highest cost. It, it's crazy, isn't it? Uh, the things people will do to um, – and people of means, this is the thing that kills me. It's not like, you know, I'm sending a kid to school because I, and I'm begging for scholarship money or grants or anything else. I, I don't understand any of it. It's totally out of my wheelhouse. So it was fascinating to read this book. And really, yes. you say it, it's based on a, on a school that you attended. And I'm sure the dynamics were similar, but fascinating nonetheless. I want to, before we run out of time, I want to ask you a few other questions. Um, so... What do you think, because we're talking about literature now, what is literature, the role of literature and books in society today? Oof. Um, 
you know, you were talking earlier about having that uh, very intimate um, uh, community of people encouraging writing at, yes. you know, in grad school. Yes. And that was um, such a contrast to daily life. You know, uh, American sure. culture in general does not really um, uh, prioritize art and, and literature um, uh, very much. And, and I think what that program and what um, every moving book that I am lucky enough to come in contact with, what I think they're doing is um, trying to establish an imagined world that is sort of conjures the interior experience of one or a group of people and do it so well that anyone else who is coming to that interior experience um, can understand and not just on an intellectual level, but understand on a, on a um, almost physical level that there are minds outside themselves that they are merged with, that they're together with in yes. this kind of um, zone of, of shared consciousness. That is, that is what a book, uh, what a book does. And so I think, right. you know, our culture can be so atomized, so divided. Um, and when you really are absorbed in a, in a piece of artwork, music or painting or, or a book, um, a book. Uh, you have that experience that you are together with that person and that maybe you're sure. together with um, so many people, all of whom have an internal experience, all of whom are, are vulnerable. And so, yeah, I think that that sort of togetherness and that breaking down of isolation um, is, is what literature does uh, so well. Yeah, even on a even on a, a less lofty uh, um, thought, uh, I think it, <laughs> yeah. um, it, it you know it opens eyes to others to the way other people live, yeah. whether it's fictitious or not, uh, what their struggles are. I think it puts things in perspective too, doesn't it? Definitely. No matter if you're a liter if you like literary books or if you like genre or if you like um, nonfiction, I think that it exposes us. To, to much more than the world simply around us. So it, it makes us walk outside our box. And maybe that's definitely. what it is. And, I'm not really sure. Definitely. And I think, you know, um, y y no matter what the, the story is and whatever exactly we're talking lofty or not, I think the urgency of a character, the, the need that that person has, if it's to solve a mystery or to, you know, uh, escape a threat, I think connecting with that urgency that is, you know, can be portrayed so beautifully in so many different I types agree. of writing and different genres that that sort of, oof, I feel it too, is, is kind of what, what is so, uh, what's it's, so great it's about elemental. it. It's elemental. Yeah. Fun. It's elemental for yeah. sure. Um, Alex, I, I've just enjoyed our conversation so much. You're way smarter than I am, but I understood everything that you were saying and I appreciated it. You're, Prose is absolutely exceptional. I hope that you go on to write many books and enjoy your life w doing it. It's been such a pleasure. I hope when you have Pam, your next book been, out, please call me and come back. <laughs> I would love to, Pam. It's been so wonderful to talk to you. And, um, yeah, just your extremely uh, perceptive questions. It's, it's been a pleasure to, to talk to you. Oh, thank you so much. This is Alexander Tilney. Alex, please tell everyone where they can find you on the web and in social media. Yeah, so my website is alexandertilney.com. Uh, the last name is T-I-L-N-E-Y. 
um, and I am on social media um, everywhere at Alex Tilney. Very good. Congratulations. The book is called The Expectations. I want everybody to go and get that book. It is live now. You can find it in brick and mortar and online stores everywhere. Um, Alex, have a wonderful evening, and thank you so much for your time. I have so enjoyed this conversation. Thanks so much. Have a great night, Pam. You too. Thank you.